Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. I'm really excited to share this interview today with all of you, Krista Borman. It's just an amazing conversation that that we had. And I also wanted to let all my listeners know that I've decided that I'm going to start airing my interviews every other week, just because of scheduling. And uh, I think it just might be might be better all the way around. So the podcast will be airing every other week and enjoy the interview. Today, I have Krista Gorman on the show, and I'm, I'm so, so happy to have her. Krista is a physician assistant who only three weeks after graduating from her PA training program suffered cardiopulmonary arrest and died while in labor with her daughter, Maggie. During the eight minutes she was without a detectable heartbeat, her consciousness transitioned into what we call the afterlife, where she underwent a profound reconnection with the most divine love that she experienced as the universe. Krista is an active member of IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies, and presented at their 2014 and 2015 annual conferences. She's also presented alongside her husband, who has also experienced an NDE, which is really fascinating. Some of her story and lessons she learned in the afterlife are shared in her book, I Died and Learned How to Live, that you can find on Amazon. Welcome to the program, Krista. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to be here. You're very welcome. So tell us a little bit about, before we jump into your NDE, and the reason I like to ask about child, um, your childhood is if you had a strong religious or spiritual background, and then, you know, then this, this experience happened. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, I was brought up in a a Catholic home. Both my parents went to Catholic school. Um, My father went to a Catholic college and we went to church every week, celebrated all the holidays, you know, it was, um, and, you know, religiously went to church. Um, And so I always had this sense of, you know, a God and um, I had a special sort of affiliation to Jesus because Um, I felt, I just felt um, a love from Jesus. Um, So I always love to hear the stories about Jesus and the ones that were, he was, you know, hurt um, by people always made me cry in church. (laughs) And even as a teenager, and even as a, as an adult, you know, I've, I've ventured back um, into church and and the stories just bring tears to my eyes. Um, But yeah, so I grew up in that, and and then when I was in my early teens, I started to question things because I felt like there was a lot of hypocrisy around me, 
um, with regard to, you know, going to church and learning the teachings and then leaving church and behaving in a way that didn't reflect the teachings in my young estimation, you know, young person's estimation, very idealistic, very absolute black and white. And so I, I, you know, left the church after my confirmation, I left the Catholic church and um, I just sort of was open. I just was open to everything. And um, I had, I'd been to um, services at various uh, churches, establishments, and never really felt connected to any of it um, fully. Um, But I knew that, you know, there was this, this sort of spirit element in my life. And, um, and I knew that I was a part of it and that, um, you know, that led me to uh, nature being in nature, nature was my higher power. Nature was my God. Nature was the, the place of solace for me. Um, it's where I felt most like myself and still is actually. Um, and then, you know, going into my NDE, I, I had, um, been, um, I had struggled with, with my own sort of energies during my life. I always uh, felt everything very deeply. Mm. Um, other people, I didn't know how to distinguish between them and me. Um, and I used alcohol. My father was always a, like a daily beer drinker, Irish man. Um, and, and I used alcohol as a way to sort of dumb, dumb down or numb down those feelings. Um, it just, it made me feel um, calmer for a while. And then it stopped working for me. So I um, found a 12 step group when I was 24, 22, really. Um, And then finally, you know, about 24, I stopped drinking alcohol. And I, um, I would go to meetings. And that was my church, and um, found my congregation. And I really connected. And, um, and I remained sober all this time. Um, that was, you know, geez, that's 26 years ago, 28 years ago. I don't even remember anymore, mm-hmm. but cause it doesn't matter. Um, but it does, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but I've, I've found that, you know, clearing that energy allowed for the depth of, of other energies to come in, like in through nature and, and through other people. Uh, so going into my NDE, I, I, I didn't have the Catholic religion and I didn't have any, any dogma, dogmatic kind of um, teachings that I adhered to. I was just sort of free with it and flowing with it. Yeah. Interesting. So in the 12-step program, also, it's a big emphasis on, on a higher power and on God, correct? They use God. They use the word. Yeah. And I never connected with that so much. Right. Um, I connected with how it made me feel. Right. Right. So tell us about your NDE when you were having your, your darling little girl, Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I had, she had to be, um, they induced me a week early before my due date because she had a problem with her kidney. And they said, that they could do that and bring her into the world a little sooner to be evaluated and, and make sure that her kidney was okay. Um, and so going into it, I, I was a little apprehensive because I knew from my training, 
I was a brand new uh, PA. I just graduated three weeks before I had her. Um, and I knew that an induced labor, especially the first time, first pregnancy, uh, there's a higher chance of you actually ending up having a C-section as opposed mm. to a, um, a vaginal birth. And I really wanted to deliver her myself. Um, so I, but I, I agreed to it and there, but there was this part of me that was sort of holding back. Um, and then I started the induction and I had a reaction to, I had to be given an antibiotic through the IV. I had a reaction to it that I didn't realize I was allergic. Um, but I felt these palpitations in my chest almost right away. And so they stopped that. And the next morning I was still in labor. Um, they had, had induced it with Pitocin. And so that makes the contractions very strong. And I, um, was, was labored through the night, hadn't dilated very much again, not abnormal with this type of a delivery. Um, and I asked for an epidural. Well, they had given me the epidural and then not very long after that, uh, Maggie's heart rate dropped very low. So having the training that I had, I knew that the first time that happens has, it has to happen just one time where the heart rate drops below 60 beats per minute, um, in the fetus that, or the baby that, um, that they do just take you right for a C-section. There's no questions asked. I had but exactly the same experience with, with my son, exactly wow. what you're saying. Wow. So definitely following. <laughs> so yes, um, it was that, it was that sort of a situation. So, um, there was a nurse midwife there that came in and she uh, said, I have to put an internal monitor on Maggie and which is the, um, it's a corkscrew and they put it right into their scalp. And I had done it myself as a student and I, oh, I cringed at the thought and I cringed at the, the idea of having to undergo a C-section, but I knew that it was necessary and I was in acceptance of it. Um, so as soon as they did that, she must've reflexed and kicked very hard um, because she did feel it. And she kicked uh, amniotic fluid into my bloodstream. She kicked so hard. Uh, and that started to travel around my body cell it was foreign and started surrounding it with all sorts of inflammatory cells and, um, and creating these little clots and they, it, the blood very quickly travels to your lungs and it started to clot off. I'm sure the periphery of my lungs, um, the vasculature there. And so I couldn't perfuse oxygen and I started to feel the same palpitations in my chest that I had felt the night before. Um, but th this all happened in seconds. Yes. So they very quickly responded. Um, and the last thing that I remember was being wheeled out of the room heading towards the OR. And I was trying to get air in. I, I was like, it was like sucking air through a teeny tiny little straw. I just could not get any more. And I felt my, my, I was passing out. I was dying. My heart was stopping. Right. And I felt this peace, this sort of grace come from behind me. And it was just like the most peaceful feeling. I, there was no fear at any point, actually. It was, it was pinpoint focus and determination to breathe and period. That was it. That was all that existed. And um, when that peace came over me, I just, I completely relaxed into it. And the next thing I knew I was, um, my vision, I could see, um, as if, you know, like I'm looking at you, I was, but I was very high above my, what was my body. I didn't know it was my body or a body at all. I didn't know. I didn't have a name for it, but I was up there. I was looking down and 
and I watched as these little black particles, tiny black particles, just this cloud of them, but in sort of a, a pinpoint and then kind of fanned out, but they were racing up towards me where my vision was. And they sort of surrounded me like a cloud, like a static cloud. And I was very neutral. I was very, um, very relaxed. I was still Krista in the sense that I know myself sort of in my head and my body a bit, um, but more so in my consciousness. And, and I do this because um, it just, it feels like that's, that's where it was at the time. Right. Um, and, and I was just observing and, and I saw my daughter being born. Um, I saw her in a blue towel and then my doctor handed her to somebody at my right shoulder who took her and turned around really fast. And, and I was looking and I, and I wanted to know, I was like, what is that? What is that? And it, it started to feel a little bit familiar. And I sort of floated to the other side and there was somebody putting a catheter in my chest. I later found this out. Um, but at the time, again, I didn't know that any of these people around me were people or that they, what was going on. I didn't know that was me. I didn't have any memory of being um, a human being. You didn't know that was you. No, I had so you no didn't memory. Know, you didn't know that was your daughter. I didn't then. know. Mm-mm. Yeah. I was just observing a scene. It was like watching um, a movie, but you didn't have any, any names for any of the objects or things in the movie. It was and like no was, emotions really, or just observing. Yeah. It, yeah. it was a curiosity and interest. Yes. A de- very detached, very peaceful, benign, sort of neutral feeling like I was just there. And, um, and then I started to feel more attached, like more determined to know what was going on. And as that feeling grew, I felt a tug to my left and I felt like something pulled me and I, and I sort of resisted. Like I wanted to, I know I, my, I really want to stay here and find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it pulled harder. And so I said, I like basically felt okay. Like I'll go, I released my resistance. So once that happened, I was moving very fast through the, there was the wall had become sort of liquidy and I moved through that into this bright white space that was just a flash. And then from there, I moved into this dark space, which was the particulate material that I was, but much, much more of it in a, in this space. And I was still moving. I was moving through it and I was sort of absorbed into it and I was just moving very fast. And then I look, I remember turning in my vision again, I could see the wall would sort of become sort of a liquidy uh, grayish black with a little white in it. And then it would be the dense particles again. And then I just stopped and I had this download of information. It was like a funnel. And it was like all the questions I'd ever had in my life all answered at once. And they all came down to one answer and it was love. And at that moment, I just felt this love permeate me and it was just all encompassing and it was everything. And it was, it was eternal. Um, it was um, unconditional, like just, it was perfect. And I, I just remember just this feeling of, oh, like utter, mm, thank you. <laughs> you know? and, and then I saw over to my right, there was this little pinpoint of white light and I wanted to go to it. I have this desire to go to it. And it was, it wanted me to come to it at the same time. 
So I started moving in that direction. And as I got closer, it got wider and bigger. And it was this sort of, sort of uh, cloudy whitish gray atmosphere in the, in the circle. And I could see these shadow beings there. And in the front was a shadow being of a little boy. And then there, there appeared to be bigger ones behind it. And, it, and again, all of the, this time, it's like this love, this, this sort of detached love, curiosity, interest, neutral kind of feeling was, was there. Um, did it there feel was... more real? I'm sorry, just to have to ask okay. this. Yeah. Did it feel, I hear so many from so many that it was more real than real. It is was hyper, there a, real. hyper yeah. real. Yeah. It was like that for you too. Absolutely. Because, because it was, it was intensely real. Um, but, but not in an uncomfortable way. It was, right. it was, it was um, so filled with feeling um, for me again, this whole time, I'm not remembering I was a human being. I'm not remembering a life. Um, I'm, I'm just me there, Krista, her consciousness just there. Um, and as I got closer to these shadow beings, they sort of backed away from the opening a little bit and let me in. And I moved past, they sort of fanned out and I moved past them deeper into the space. And then I was I looked around and I could feel them. They wanted my help. They all wanted my help. It wasn't just the little boy that needed my help. It was, he was, I couldn't, I didn't know where he was in, in the space anymore. It was all of them that needed my help. And I wanted to help them. I didn't know why they needed my help. I didn't, they didn't, nobody spoke to me. It was all through feeling. Um, and I felt back. I'm willing, like I'm willing to help you. And they started to sort of dart at me and dart away, dart at me and dart away. And I could feel my energy being taken. Like they were using my energy. Right. Um, that's what they needed. And then I realized that I was literally like diminishing there. I was losing myself at the, for the sake of others. And I said, I felt, no, I, I don't want this anymore. And I was taken out of there. And I started moving again out of that space back into the deep, like the dark, dense particulate matter. And through a less sort of defined opening that was also the, the particulate matter. And I, I emerged into this beautiful uh, uh, scene. It was, I call it my Eden because it was so perfect in every way. Uh, the colors were so vibrant and beautiful, beautiful yellow flowers and green rolling hills. And there were trees dotting the hills and a blue sky and a rock colored, a rock um, waterfall. Um, and then a deep evergreen forest to my right. And there was a sun over like behind sort of off to the left somewhere. It was lit from somewhere. And, and I merged with all of it. Like, I merged with nature, with, with the rocks and the water and the grass and the trees and the sky. And, and I was one with it and I, it felt utterly peaceful and oh, so, so peaceful and beautiful. And I could have stayed there eternally beyond time. <laughs> yes. And because there is no time, there was no time. 
And then these beings appeared on either side of me and they were, they uh, were sort of tan in color and tall and they were, they were sort of adorned in drapes and they didn't have faces and we communicated through feeling and they felt to me, you can stay here. You can go to what comes next, or you can go back. And I, and here was, was phenomenal. What came next? I didn't have a sense of, and what I going back, I didn't have a sense of. And I just paused just very briefly. And I, and I felt back to them. I'd like to go back. And right away I was moving backwards away from them. And they sort of turned towards me and communicated if you go back you need to share what you learned here and i felt back to them okay and i'm willing so the next thing i knew i had this terrible pain in my chest and i can remember moaning and then they must have given me some pain medicine and i was i was back um, asleep again they induced a medical coma um, so they were giving me pain medicine. They had also um, been working on me because my heart uh, had stopped for, they lost my pulse for eight minutes um, during that time. So I wasn't on a cardiac monitor. Um, so I was clinically dead. Um, and, uh, but nobody had, you know, called my death. There was no one there, right. um, you know, who said like, she's not coming back. And then um, I came back. It was just for eight minutes. They, they, you know, um, didn't have a heartbeat and then they got one. So had you ever heard of an NDE when this happened, when this happened not, to you? Not really. Like peripherally, I had heard, um, I was very pragmatic, very science focused. Yes. And as a PA, I was all about the science. Well, I had the spiritual kind of feeling and understanding and appreciation, certainly for nature, um, that I was very connected to. Um, I didn't, I, I hadn't, you know, explored anything else. And, and I remember seeing, um, oh, it was on the Oprah show in the eighties as a teenager. I think I, I saw a, uh, someone who had, who was talking about a near death experience and that was the only exposure I'd ever had. Mm -hmm. So it was all brand new to me. Um, and I came out of, out of that. Um, they, they took, they had to intubate me and they took the tube out 36 hours after. And, uh, and I was out of the ICU the next morning because I had climbed out of the bed and I had detached everything and said, I'm going home. I want to go home. And they're like, no, you can't go home yet. <laughs> so they, then they moved me to a room, but then um, I was able to get some rest. So, yeah. Um, and where was Maggie at this point? She had to be moved to a different hospital. They, uh, she had what they thought was a collapsed lung initially. Um, it turned out she didn't, but uh, she had an APGAR score. They scored, you know, infants yes. uh, one to 10. Hers was one. She had a heart rate of 60 when she was born, she was very acidotic, like not consistent with life. Um, and she, she, but she perked up very fast. Um, they moved her to a, a neonatal intensive care unit a few miles away. And so I saw her when she was six days old. That was the first day I saw her. We were, it's funny because her and I were just talking about that this morning. How and, old is um, she now? She's 
I'm going to be 22 in three weeks. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was 22 years ago and she, but I felt like, you know, when they handed her to me, I felt like I already knew her and it was like, yeah, I know you. Of course. course. Wow. So Krista, um, who do you, what do you think? I can tell you're a very sensitive, empathic person. Mm -hmm. I can just tell. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And these shadow beings and this little boy, what, what was the lesson that you feel like you learned from, learned from that experience? part of it well it's my understanding and my experience that we create and co-create our experiences both here and in the afterlife we have free will always that never leaves us so i feel that that experience was created by me my higher self and for me by the greater universe in order to learn the lesson of choosing me first. Yes. So, so many of us um, have a real struggle with that. And for myself personally, I definitely did. And I continue to after my NDE. Um, it's, it's one of those things that I've finally sort of come to understand on a much deeper level, which is since I was a child, I have always felt this sense of, well, it's, it's like, it's not just about me. It's, it's about all of us. Like, and, and that also was, was, um, selfishness was never encouraged in my home. So it was, uh, it was a matter of, you know, being taught the lessons from the humans that I was exposed to of, of, you know, being, it's about, it's not just about you. It's about everybody else. And also feeling that very deeply, mm-hmm. truly like feeling that like we are all in this. And, um, so, so yeah, it was, it was like, uh, I sort of lost my train of thought a little bit there. Oh, uh, we were delving into ta- that. Yes. Talking about how you learn from the shadow beings and this little boy that you need to just start taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yes. That was a, a lesson for me. Um, I was sort of checking in. Okay, Krista, you're on your path. Now, where are you with regard to this? Are you still losing yourself in, in the, the, you know, giving to others before giving to yourself first, or are you able to, to give to yourself first? Mm -hmm. And I chose me in that scenario. And that's why they were there too. They were there to help me learn that lesson and the little boy was the compassion evoker you know the child Mm. that was vulnerable and children especially I was just talking with a colleague about this yesterday after I had my daughter I was I I could have worked in pediatrics before I had my daughter and then I had my daughter and suffering children oh my god (laughs) it's like they just they they really, I, they affect me very deeply and they're suffering. And it's, it's challenging for me to, um, to not feel it. They're suffering on a visceral level, mm-hmm. you know, within myself. Um, I still take care of them, but, um, <laughs> of course. 
but it was the child that was presented to me that, that it's like, they knew, I knew the universe knew that that would be the thing that would really draw me in. Right. It's interesting because I haven't heard other than Evan Alexander, who lost all of his memory, but I haven't really heard of someone not knowing they're human or that, that, but it's, it's interesting when you talk about the lesson of losing yourself because you always take care of others and you also lost yourself in the NDE too, not just seeing your energy being taken away, but you truly lost who you were. Mm -hmm. And, and that's huge. What a huge lesson. It really is. It was like, I was the purest form of myself that exists. Mm. Wow. So I know you began researching and is it right that you, you started having some dreams that brought you back to kind of brought you back to the experience? I had listened to an interview and you're talking a little bit about Jeffrey Long and he had mentioned watch your dreams. Yeah. So, oh yes, this was so fascinating to me. You know, I still am the observer. Um, yes. Yes. So, so yeah, you know, I was, I was really, I, afterwards I was not the same Krista that, you know, um, before I went into labor, um, my family really weren't sure what to make of me. And, uh, they sort of, you know, sort of what were watching me and seeing if I started to get better meeting return to who I was before <laughs> all right. the while energetically, they're all wanting me to be the old Krista wanting me, mm-hmm. drawing me back. And I, I didn't know how to be um, in the world that I was in. And initially I was just pure, purely blissed out. I was carrying that energy with me and I was just, but I didn't remember my experience, but I was just walking around like, everything's okay. Like everything's great. Like what is everybody so worried, you know, concerned about and, (laughs) and, and I'm great. And before that I was very type a very like, Oh yeah. I was a completely different person, (laughs) but I instinctively knew how to care for Maggie and not just flowed. And my mother stayed for a couple of weeks after uh, I got home from the hospital and she uh, wanted to be comfortable leaving because they were living in New York at the time I was in Florida. And so she stayed and she, she was watching me and very gradually I started to sort of remember things and every, it seemed like every few days, two or three days, I would wake up and, and it felt like a, like some of the, the cloudiness from my, my consciousness was lifted. And I was like, things seem more familiar and, and I could feel myself returning to who I was before. And it, I felt a little bit sad at that. Um, and then I had a dream. Um, well, it, it, it came, my experience came to me in, during sleep, um, Roberta Moore, uh, who, who does, um, um, videos for healthcare providers about NDEs and how to manage patients with, who have had an NDE. Um, she and I talked, uh, and actually did a presentation together for the, one of the hospitals I worked at. Um, but she said, it came to you during sleep. And I said, yeah, that's a really good way to phrase it because it was not a dream. It was the recall of my experience. And it was very vivid and very profound. And 
it answered a lot of questions I didn't even know I had. Um, so I, yeah, I literally woke up one morning completely different. Um, and I, and I believe that sort of the universe gave me that space to heal a little bit before it, it revealed, um, that, that experience to me, because I feel like before that, I probably would not have given it any credit. I would have completely discredited it. I would have said, no, no, that was, that was just my brain. That was just, you know, chemicals or whatever. Um, I would have found some excuse because the message of it, sharing the love, we are love in our entirety. The, 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 le- the information, the lessons, the, the, um, uh, the answers to life's questions that I received were so profound that I, I had no idea how to share it. There's, how, do you, how do you embody that love in this physical body? How do you be that love, you know? And um, so it was overwhelming. And I was a new mother. I had my now ex-husband. I was a new PA. I was going to be starting work in a little while. And I was feeling very overwhelmed with the 3D world. And so I just kept pushing my experience away. But in the meantime, I'm online. And this is in 2000. So there wasn't a whole lot out there. But I did find... I was looking for the researchers. I was looking for the scientists in this field. And I found Jeffrey Long and I, I sent him an email and, and um, I said, I think maybe something happened. I'm not really sure. Cause I didn't even want to divulge to him. And that's how afraid I was right. for sharing it. And he, he emailed me back um, very quickly and he reassured me and he said, uh, pay attention to your dreams. And when he said, when I read that line, I started crying. I, I felt so validated. And so I'm getting a little, yeah, that's okay. it was like, yeah, yeah, I needed it. I needed yes. it. So it was my life. Um, so yeah, I, from that point, I started to reach out a little bit. Um, I found some other online groups. I found IANS, which mm-hmm. was terrific. Although I wouldn't become a member for a while. I was sort of on the periphery. Yes. Um, I did meet up with a couple people in the, in the Florida, like the immediate area where I was. I, I had a lunch one day with a couple of ladies who had both had NDEs. And, um, and so I, you know, I, and, and I was okay with, with just that. Yes. I was good with just, just that. someone to talk to finally. And- yeah. Yeah. And for 10 years, I, I didn't know what to do with all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kept every day it would be there and I would just sort of push it away and try to live my life. And I couldn't mesh the Krista. I knew myself to be and the Krista I was in my 3d life, my old life, just struggled, struggled, struggled. So after about 10 years, I had stopped struggling and I started to, um, actively, um, heal myself because I was, I was in a lot of emotional pain and actually physical pain. And I knew that there was a, 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 um, remedy for it. And that remedy was to be who I was fully and to integrate my NDE into my life. So that's what I started to do. 
did you have any heightened awareness or intuitive, you know, abilities or anything that you, you felt that increased my, my exactly in my intuition, my intuitive, um, nature, our intuitive, we are all intuitive. We all have this ability. Um, what I found was that when I was most in ego in, in, and ego is very purposeful and very necessary. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's to be uh, loved and appreciated. Um, but when I was mostly in, in ego, I didn't feel good. And I would make decisions based on fear rather than love. And it, it became very simple for me. Eventually it became very simple where, um, you know, okay, does, is this something that is a fear-based choice or is it a fear-based or is it a love-based choice? Is this a fear-based thought or is it based in love? And that it, my life became sort of a navigation using those, those parameters. And, um, and it just, you know, improved and improved and improved from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but How yeah, that's, it- that's really intuition was really the big one. Right. How do you think that it changed you as a mother? I know you're a new mother. I mean, and your first, Maggie, was your first child? Yes. Yes, yes. So, yeah, how do you, how do you think it played in on your mothering? Well, I had a broader perspective of everything. Um, I had the understanding that um, we're intuitive beings, that we, we intuitively know what it is we need. Um, so her upbringing was sort of, um, had that as the, as the foundation. So, um, I allowed her as a parent to be who she was 99% of the time. (laughs) There were times when it wasn't convenient for me, (laughs) you know, um, but those were necessary too. Those were necessary moments. Um, but yeah, it, it really, that guided me. And, um, and then as I grew into my NDE, as I say, um, you know, I, I integrated it into my being, um, and, and really delved into and explored it when she was about 10, 10 to 12, um, was when I was really deeply like exploring and, and learning and, um, and growing as, as a, as a spiritual being here. And I was teaching her what I was learning and part of big part of my, my NDE was the law of attraction. The law of attraction was actively, um, um, uh, uh, being, it was, it was my NDE. It was a part of it. Um, my desires were being met by the universe. Um, I had an intention, a desire, and it was fulfilled like that there were, because it was a non-resistant environment. It was a non-resistant mm-hmm. realm, completely non-resistant. We're talking about energy and everything is energy. Everything is vibrating particles, vibrating, um, um, strings, as we say, in, as they say in physics. Um, but I'm no physicist, but I understand energy Yes. and the manipulation of energy. It can be manipulated. And so I taught my daughter that, and I taught her, 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 that she has the power to create her own life. And I reiterated it over the years and over the years. And she, you know, she says it back to me now. Yes. You know, 
and reminds me sometimes when I'm very, and I say I'm, I'm like 3Ding too much. I and, love it. <laughs> you know, I and love she reminds it. me, Mom, Mom, <laughs> you have the power. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, sweetheart. I do. <laughs> yeah, that's so beautiful. So, Krista, what would you say? Um, what would you like to shout to the world about your NDE? What would you like to share some wisdom um, to the world? My probably the, the thing that, that just jumps to me right now is, is it's so simple. It's about love. It's about loving ourselves and other people. And the more that we can love ourselves, the more we're able to love other people mm-hmm. and other things, you know, plants, trees, water, the air, all of it is connected. You know, it's very, I'm, I'm very um, much in alignment with, with uh, indigenous people and, and their beliefs and um, their um, um, desires for this earth and for the people on it. And, you know, we have the ability to create our own life, our own world, and we can do that. We have the choice, the free will to do that through love or through fear. And it feels, love feels so much better and we deserve to feel good. So there you are. You have a choice. Yeah, thank you. And okay. just one other question. Did it change? How do you feel about, I don't like the word death, but how do you feel about that now? What do you, are you fearful or? <laughs> I, you know, the, the Woody Allen quote, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> yes, I think it's yes. hilarious because yeah. that's really, that's really what we all, how we all are. Yeah. Because we all have the knowledge that death is not the end. We all know that in our, in our, the essence of our being, but we let ego layer that essence of being with fears. Yes. So no, I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid of death. Death is not the end. Absolutely not the end. It's a, it's a, the most natural transition for me. It was like, taking in a breath and letting out a breath. Mm-hmm. That was as the ease of the transition. And then there you are. And, and it's the most beautiful, beautiful experience. Um, when we leave here, we all have our own, our own experiences when we go, but this is, this is temporary. This is temporal. We're in the space of time there, there is no time. Um, we leave all the attached attachments behind, but we bring all the love with us. Mm-hmm. And you're so, still you. We're and you're still, still you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, Krista, thank you so much. This has been so wonderful to have this conversation with you and maybe you and your husband could come on together um, at another point, and both of you kind of share your experiences together. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if people want to find you and your book, how would they do that? Okay. So I have a website. It's, well, it's kind of like a blog site. Um, it's kristagorman.net. And then I have a book, I Died and Learned How to Live, yes. uh, which uh, it has the 12 principles for daily living, which is what I, I had to use to sort of come back to myself 
after my NDE and then living in this world for so many years as, as someone that I wasn't. Um, and so that is on Amazon and, um, yeah, and it can be downloaded or there's hard copies available. Wonderful. Yeah. What would you say your, your top two or three are for the 12 lessons? Oh, oh, um, <laughs> that's live, probably hard. <laughs> live, well, live lovingly. Yes. Um, live willingly mm. and live courageously. Yeah, those top three, I think. Well, thank you so much. And um, we'll be, I'll be in touch soon. Okay. Okay. Have a great rest of the day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you.